You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. Always excited to hear Andrew teach because he carries such an amazing apostolic gifting and really does help establish and settle things. And so uh, today I'm excited about the topic. Truly no one better here to speak on this. This is going to be good. So get ready. Uh, Thank you, brother. Uh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel something coming on here. (laughs) Going to get my preach on. Well, if I preach like that, though, I need somebody to play a B3 organ and just shred behind me. Right? Oh, yes, it is. Well, yeah, um, yeah, I'm excited about this. I really am. Uh, I really feel like God's going to bring some breakthrough this morning. Um, How many want breakthrough? Yep, always, always, always. I'm telling you something. Just so you know, I love breakthrough myself, but the reason why I do what I do is to see people get breakthrough. Yeah. I've had some pretty major breakthrough in my own personal life, and I have been in a euphoric place with Jesus because of it, and I have heard him say to me, Andrew, that's because I love you, but you're not the only one I love. So I want other people to experience breakthrough and transformation in their lives. So does that sound good to you guys? All right, so before we do that, though, I've got one other thing. Ro, come on up here. Come on, everybody bless her really well. She's got something for you. Here we go. Wanted to share with you an event that we have going on this Saturday. We have a jam-packed Saturday going on um, with Spark Kids Ministry. But first, I wanted to take a minute to share a testimony from uh, the Spark Kids Ministry. There's awesome stuff going on in our ministry. If you think it's just making crosses out of popsicle sticks, you're wrong. It's intentional evangelism and discipleship going on over there. But... One of our testimonies is actually regarding one of our teachers, okay? Back in August, when we had our post-lockdown startup meeting, um, Miss Bridget came to our meeting. Now, her kids are grown, okay? She does not have little kids in this program, teenagers. Her kids are grown, but she came to that meeting, and she said, you know what? I've been praying for my family. I've been praying for my daughter and my granddaughter. And I'm activating that prayer and I'm stepping out on faith and I am here in faith. I'm going to teach in faith, knowing that God hears prayers and one day my granddaughter will be in the midst of those that I'm teaching. And God is good. Because, yes. Because little Avery is up here dancing and worshiping. And she is becoming a little, a little disciple for Jesus. It is awesome to watch. And I just want to take a minute to also speak into your life, Miss Bridget. God is not finished with you yet. T.G. Jake said you can minister to the adults and you'll impact them, but you minister to the children and you impact the entire family. There's more coming. So... Um, Back to our event on Saturday. It's our second time we're meeting at Greenwood Lakes Park, Saturday at 1030. Bring yourself, bring your dog, bring your kids, whatever. We're just going to come and fellowship and have a good time in the awesome Florida weather. So thank you. So good. That's so good. Um, Listen, I am usually pretty busy in here on a Sunday morning. um, But if I weren't, I would be in there helping with those kids. Uh, Thank you, Jay. Um, I am finding that the older that I'm getting and as my kids are growing up and I'm like, I'm kind of at that place in life where I'm at the cusp of potentially touching grandchildren and, and, and I am so looking forward to it. And so, I mean, a couple of weeks ago we did a thing for the parents here and it was Jay and Roe and Joss and I were here hanging out with the kids and I'm telling you what, man, it is, it's better the second time around. It is. There's something about it. So I'm just saying to you guys, uh, we want people serving in our kids' ministry, but maybe you're thinking, well, I don't have kids, or that's, that's gone. Man, I'm telling you, if, I, if you're my age, you're older than me, get involved with it. 
it's it's so fun and it's just a joy to be with them and just watch the light in their eyes and discovery and what happens with them uh, with the teaching. And Rose done such a fantastic job with the curriculum, pulling it together that it's she makes it easy. And don't worry about that if you've never taught or done anything. She makes it very very easy and very easy to step in and serve there. So does that sound good to you guys? Don't miss it. I'm I'm loving 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 the fact that we have our kids running around up here. That does not that is not a distraction to me. That's life right there. That's, you know, if you want things decent and in order and everything stoic, go to a cemetery. You'll find it. <laughs> if you want to find life, get kids involved. You're going to find it when they're involved. It's just so much more fun that way. So anyway, all right, put your seatbelts on. We're going to run through some stuff here. I've got a number of passages of scripture I want to talk through. Uh, this message is near and dear to my heart. Uh, for those of you who may be new or visiting with us, um, or you just haven't been showing up to church like you should. Um, no guilt, no shame, not at all. I'm kidding. I am just messing with you. If you know me, you know, I'm messing with you. Um, we've been going through our core values, and we've gone through honor. We've gone through goodness. I want to talk a little bit about transformation. This is one of our core values in the church. I am not interested in just doing church and having people just come and show up and not find any kind of revelation or any kind of breakthrough in their life. I'm absolutely not interested in that. And I'm not interested in church that's not fun. When church ceases to be fun, I will quit. Because I don't think that's the kingdom. I know it's not the kingdom. The Bible says that. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy, right? Two-thirds of it is experiential. One's a condition, and I'm made that way through the blood of Jesus, and the other two I get to experience from that point. So, peace and joy. Peace and joy. How many wants some more of that? Yeah, me too, man. I think believers should be the most joyous people on the planet, honestly. Man, wouldn't that be great to see that switch? This, this thing where the people think about the church that aren't part of the church, but they think about the church as people who are like, you know, there's time for that. There's absolutely time for that. But man, I am like, I want to be the happiest person on the planet. Really, that's what I want to be. I want people to ask me, how come you can have so much fun? Well, it's Jesus. He just makes everything fun. Doesn't matter what you're doing. He makes everything fun. So I want to talk about transformation. And it's going to be tied up today out of a core passage in Romans chapter 12. But before I get to Romans chapter 12, I have to back up and take you to some other places before we get there. Is that all right? All right, how many want to do kingdom work and live in the kingdom? Let me see. Good, about 70% of you. The rest of you, you'll get it. By the end of this message, you're going to get it. The rest, the other 30%, I'm prophesying over you. You will get it and you will do it. Okay. The only way we can consistently do kingdom work is to view reality from God's perspective. To, re to view reality from God's perspective. There are two perspectives that are constantly in tension and at war with each other. And it's the perspective of humanity, and then there's the perspective of God. And just to know certain things about God doesn't necessarily mean I'm seeing it from his perspective. I need to come up to a different plane, get connected with him, hear what he's saying, see the world, see people, see humanity from that perspective. That's what the Bible talks about when it talks about the renewed mind. Everybody in here say renewed mind. Renewed mind. That, that's powerful right there. The mind isn't a terrible thing. The unrenewed mind is. I want mind renewed. What does renewed mind mean? It means you actually you start to think like God. You start to think like God. And when you start thinking like God, all the patterns that we've had in our life, our own personal life, that aren't tracking with God, that are leading us into either sin patterns or depression or fear or anxiety or broken relationships, all that stuff has to do with thinking on human level. When I come back to thinking like God thinks, everything changes. Perspective changes. Let me just give you a practical on this one right here. A number of years ago, um, I had a choice. This was, good night, what are we talking, 12, 13, 14 years ago. I was given a choice. God just miraculously showed up and started healing people in our church. I mean, so miraculous, it was beyond my theology, and it offended me. It bothered me that people were getting healed the way they were getting healed, because that didn't line up with my theology. But I had an opportunity to let my mind be offended so my heart could be revealed 
to recognize I'm not seeing things the way God see things, sees things. And I had an opportunity to get my mind renewed. What did I need to do? I needed to put aside my own theology. I needed to put aside my own thinking, my own understanding, and start paying attention to what he's doing. And if I don't understand it, that's okay. Hello? How many intellectuals do we have in the room? It's not a prideful thing. Just say, yeah, right there, David Hamilton is an intellectual. He is. I mean, he totally is. You talk to him, every time I talk to him, I get smarter. He just knows so much stuff. He'll share things with me, and I'm like, I had no idea. I did not know that. He's a fount of knowledge. He's an intellectual. There are certain things where I'm an intellectual, but for the most part, I fly by the seat of my pants. I'm kind of like, yeah, man, what God doing over here? We'll go do that for a while. We'll go do this for a while. I'm kind of like, I need my wife to keep me lined up. That's what I need. She's very, she's very logical in her approach. But even with logic, I have to be careful that I don't conform him to my image instead of me being conformed into his. I can't reduce him down to that. I can't make him line up with my theology. If there's something good happening inside of people and it doesn't line up with my theology, chances are my theology's wrong. If people are getting healed... And that doesn't fit my theology. Perhaps my theology is wrong. Maybe my mind needs to be renewed a little bit in that area. So as I let that happen, as I let myself go into that without the complete understanding, and I didn't have it figured out, I didn't know what was going on. As I let myself go into that, I found that my mind got renewed. It got renewed so much so that today I don't pray for healing for people. I heal people. Well, Andrew, what if you pray for them and they don't get healed? I have nothing to do with that. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. I don't have that as zero concern of mine. I don't have anything in scripture that tells me heal the sick, but in cases like this, don't. Or, Or they won't get healed if, right? I have nothing in scripture that does anything like that. So what do I do? I have to let my mind be renewed. And there are still places it doesn't make sense to me. There are still still times when I'll pray for people and they won't see a healing right there manifest. What do I do? I pray again. Well, what if it doesn't work? I pray again. Why? My mind has been so renewed that I don't even entertain options. Listen, church, the world will give you opportunities and options all the time. The world is filled with opportunities and options. When your mind is renewed and you know what God is saying, there are no longer opportunities and options. Well, it's because of this, because of this. I cannot reduce God down to my theology. I can't do it. Do I have theology? Yes, everybody in this room has theology. People who don't believe in God have a theology. People who say, well, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. Well, you actually have a theology. There has to be something there that you say you don't believe in. The very fact that he, you have to say that tells me something, right? Romans tells me that all of creation speaks to the Godhead in bodily form. All of creation speaks to the Godhead in bodily form. Every, you can't, there's not a person on this planet who hasn't seen God at some point. I love what C.S. Lewis says. You have never met a mere mortal. You have never met a mere mortal. Because of the work of Jesus Christ and the giving of Holy Spirit pouring out into the earth, everybody on this planet has gotten some kind of glimpse of God at some point. You've seen through people, you've seen through him speaking to you viscerally, internally, through the isn't that awesome? It's like he makes it impossible. He make he makes himself so conspicuous that you have to trip over him. Everywhere you look, there he is. Everywhere you look, that's another message for another time. The mind is so important, though, because it's the gatekeeper. It's the gatekeeper for what I'm going to entertain. That's why there is such a battle going on in the New Testament church in the mind. Years ago, Joyce Meyer wrote a book called The Battlefield of the Mind. Has anybody in here ever read that book? Rock your freaking world. Read it. It's amazing. She nailed it. It was like she brought something in years ago that I think it brought incredible transformation to the church. Because so much of the church in my growing up 
almost 54 years old now, when in growing up, most of what I heard in attending the church was you've got to stop doing this and start doing this, right? Please tell me, I'm not the only one. Did somebody else hear that? You hear that growing up? Don't do that. You're not supposed to, Christians don't do those things. They don't do that. They do these things over here. There's a problem inherent inside of that though. It's called behavior modification, not spirit transformation. And I'm after transformation, not modification. I don't want my behavior modified because if I modify my behavior, I can only do it for so long. And then I get tired and I can't do it anymore. Or I get prideful. Look at me. Look how pious and how holy I am. I've gone six months without saying the word. Right? I, I guarantee you something's going to come along that is stronger than your willpower at some point. Mm-hmm. Aren't you glad that being born again didn't happen because of something I did? I like the way John puts it. Who are born not of the will of man, nor of the will of flesh, but who are born of God. I can't even will myself into salvation. That'll mess with you. Just think on that one for a while. All of it happens in the mind. That's why the mind has to be renewed. If you really want to see transformation in your life and you're trying and you're trying and you're trying to get breakthrough in a certain area, let me just suggest something right now. Stop. If it's not working, don't keep doing it. What is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result? Why is that? I mean, think about that. It's actually true. You keep trying, 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 and you can't get any breakthrough. Maybe you need to change the way you're trying. In class this morning, Jay was in there blowing it up, talking about prophecy, gifts of the Spirit and stuff, and he mentioned Acts chapter 2, or actually it was in Luke, he said this, don't leave Jerusalem until you're clothed or endued with power from on high. King James says that word endued. I like that because it's more accurate to the actual Greek word, enduo. The word literally means to sink into. What if real trans... What are we talking about? Transformation. What if real transformation comes by not striving, but by sinking into? What if it comes because I get tired of doing it on my own where I finally give up and I say, God, I don't know what to do here. I can't do this anymore. And he's finally like going, finally, you're starting to get it. You're starting to get it. Because what you build, you have to maintain. And I'm not that strong. I'm a PK. I grew up in the church, born on Saturday, in church on Sunday, right? This is what I knew. And for years and years and years, I thought it was on me to make myself holy, righteous, sanctified, set apart. What word do you want to use? Oh, by the way, all those words, holy, sanctified, righteous, they're binary. You either are or you aren't. Stop trying to work yourself into something. You're never going to get there. There's only one way you get into that state. It says, Jesus, I believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe. I believe. Say it with me. I believe. Lord, help me in my unbelief, but I believe. Oh, you are so lame. Come on. I believe. There we go. Come on. Get a little fire behind it. Put some stank on it. There you go. All right, so we're talking about transformation here. Transformed is one of those really, really big words. It's used in Scripture. Anybody want to guess how many times you find it in the New Testament, the word trans- transformed? How, somebody out here. Throw me out a number. How many times do you think it's used? Seven? 26? 15? Three times. Three times. What? You would think something that important would be used over and over and over in Scripture. Nope, it's only used three times in Scripture. Let me tell you where they are. First one, Mark 9, 2. It's the same story you find in Matthew 17. So it's, I'm putting these together. So you could say there's four, but it's really the same story. So I'm using this. It says, Mark, Mark 9, 2 says this. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, led them up to a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured 
That's that same word. It says transfigured there, but it's the same word that also gets translated transformed. He was transfigured before them. Here's another one where it's used. One of my favorites. 2 Corinthians 3, 15 through 18 says this. Paul, talking to the church at Corinth, and he's talking about the Jews, talking about the Hebrews, and he says this. But even to this day, when Moses has read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Don't you love that? This is kind of what I was talking about before. I have to accept it before I understand it. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. We like it better if the veil gets removed, then I turn to the Lord. I would much rather know something about him than I can understand before I turn to him. But he's saying, no, it doesn't work like that. You can still read the law. And I'm just going to submit this to you. If you want to live under the law, go read um, Romans 7. It'll tell you what it means to live under the law. Because he starts with saying, I speak to those who know the law. That's that whole passage that says all the things I don't want to do. Those are the things I do. The things I want to do. I don't do those things. Oh, God, who's going to help me? He's saying, if you live by the law, that's going to be your life. This says, as long as that law is read, that veil remains. But when one turns to the Lord, God, I don't get it. This is turning to the Lord. God, I don't get it. I don't fully understand it. But you know what? Something inside of me comes alive when I hear your word and I hear you speaking, and I can't make sense of it, but something happens inside of me, and I want to go towards that. I want to move towards that. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. You know what the difference between freedom and liberty is? Freedom gets you out of your chains and out of your jail cell. Liberty gets you out of your chains and your jail cell, and it gives you a destiny. I like that. That's way more than just getting out of my chains. I'm not interested in just getting out of my chains. I'm interested in finding my destiny. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being, here it is, transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Come on, that's good news, isn't it? I've said that before. I like transformation, and according to this, I'm being transformed from glory to glory. In other words, my starting place is glory. I'm not being transformed from garbage to glory. It's from glory to glory. Come on, this is a good word for somebody in here. You're still thinking you're like garbage. You're still thinking there's something you need to do to clean yourself off. Trust me, you can't. It's the whole point of the law. It's impossible. But there's so much, oh, I've got so much stuff in my life. I'm so messed up. I just feel like I'm so far from God. You know what? Just blink your eye towards him. Say, Jesus, I want you. Right? It's that easy. It really is that easy. The gospel is about surrender. That's the only way to fully receive it. It's about surrender. Stop my own stuff. Here's the key verse I want to point to in the third place you find this word transform. Romans 12, 2. Actually, I'm going to read 1 and 2. I beseech you, I beg you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed any longer to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I like this one because it actually tells me how transformation comes. Because everybody wants transformation. But it says, be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. I used to think the renewing of the mind was, I need to memorize more scripture. I need to study harder. I mean, after all, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved, a workman, right? That need not be ashamed, right? I used to think that as in I need to do this in order to prove something. That's impo- it's impossible. Actually, that passage right there, study, anybody know what I'm talking about? Study to show yourself approved. Actually, he's saying, look into the scripture so you will find you are approved. Look into it and find you are absolutely positioned simply because of the work of Jesus. And you don't need to be ashamed about it. Come on, am I just lifting some weight off of some people in the room here? 
I used to think renewed mind was I need to memorize more. I need to read more. I need to study more. Boy, if I could study more. If I study more than the next person, I'm more holy than that person. Come on, really? I'm, trust me, the devil knows more about the Bible than you and I do. That has nothing to do with his holiness. That hurt. I used to think that's what it was like, though. If I want to be transformed, i got to renew my mind. i got to read, 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 study, 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 memorize, memorize, memorize. It's not that at all. That doesn't do any good. I can fill my head with it all day long. Psalm 119 says, your word I have hidden in my what? Heart, not head. You can hide it in your head all day long. There is zero transformation that will come from things that are hidden in your head. It's got to move from here down to here. It's got to move from just a knowledge and a mental ascent to something that stirs me on the inside, that moves me viscerally so that it challenges every single thing that I think. The word of God is meant to offend. Paul says that. The gospel, it's a stumbling block. It's an offense to those who are perishing. Listen, you can believe in Jesus and still be perishing. That's not talking about going to heaven or hell right there. Hello? You can still be dying on the inside and believe in Jesus. And I think there's a, this perpetual lie that Satan wants to give to us, and he feeds it to us over and over and over and over and over again. And we buy it. We chew on it. We meditate on it. And it's this, you're not worthy. You're not good enough. There's something wrong with you. You did that wrong. Boy, if people only knew what you were like. Right? And we meditate on that stuff. You know what we do when we meditate on words that come from the demonic like that? We give them a hall pass and we say, run around in my head. Just run around in there. Do whatever you want. Put little thoughts in there. Little beliefs, little ideas. Go ahead and put those into my head. The renewed mind takes what normally gets lodged in the head and it moves down to the heart and it starts to challenge everything that comes against it. How many in here are the righteousness of Christ? Good, most of you say that. You are. You absolutely are. How many, oh wait, here's one. How many in here are saints? Yep, good, good. You're getting it. This is good. I like this. When I go to places and teach, I'll ask this question. How many in here are sinners? Everybody raises their hand. Don't raise your hand. You're not a sinner. That's contrary to the word of God. If you're not a saint, then stop reading the book of Ephesians because it's written to the saints. That's not for you then. It says to the saints at Ephesus, right? Well, if you ain't a saint, don't read it. Just tear that part out of your Bible right there. You're not good enough for that one. And if you think your holiness, if you think your righteousness is based on what you've done, and if you've done something wrong, then you're disqualified, then there's a lot of the Bible we need to rip up. David really messed it up, right? Commits adultery with a married woman and then has her husband killed. Well, he lost it. He doesn't have good enough character, so let's rip that part out of the Bible. Solomon, oh man, he really messed it up. All right, let's take the bulk of Proverbs. Let's rip that out of the Bible then. Hello, aren't you glad that my righteousness, my sanctification, my holiness is not based on what I do. It's based on what he's done. Why is this important? And I keep coming back to this because we need our minds renewed. My position in him has nothing to do with what I've done, has everything to do with what he's done. I don't get to experience it until I say yes to it. I wander around like a chicken with my head cut off trying to do all kinds of spiritual gyrations to get myself into a place of holiness or acceptance. And I can do that the rest of my life, but it's never going to do anything until I come to a place of saying, wait a minute, I'm having a real struggle right here. I know the word says this in my head. I know that it says I'm a saint, but I'm having a really hard time with that. Now is the prime time to have your mind renewed. Right there, where you just simply say, okay, I don't get it. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. All I can see in front of me is the things that I do wrong. Doesn't that just sound like Satan to keep doing that to you, though? Keep throwing, look at what's wrong with you. Look what you did wrong. Look at this. Look at that. Look at that person. They're awesome. 
You, though, not so much. Seriously, I really do believe a lot of the church is sitting, asking Jesus, why me? Why me? And they don't get it. For God so loved the world. They don't get it. Why me? Or thinking that, okay, I I said yes, so I've got fire insurance. I've I've got get out of hell card. I'm going to heaven. But actually see themselves in heaven going, God, how did I get here? And thinking that Jesus and God are talking to each other. And God looks at Jesus and goes, how did they get in here? Jesus is like, it's that belief thing. I don't know, they shouldn't be here, but... It's that belief thing. Come on, are you with me? This, this, this terrible thinking that somehow I don't have any value and that I don't have any worth. God does not die for worthless things. He does not die for worthless things. If we were worthless, there would be no point in it. He, had enough, he, he saw enough value in humanity to say, I'm giving myself for this thing. Every one of them, I'm giving myself for it. That's a good word right there, Andrew. It's not just about your thoughts. It's about the way you think. It's about a renewed mind will take things that come in and it will challenge it. It will challenge everything that comes in that stands against the word of God. This is why 2 Corinthians 10 is so important. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Why? Because not every thought you have is your own. And if I'm not vigilant about not just what I think about, but the way I think. Because see, I don't want just to sit there and battle with thoughts all day long. I want those thoughts to be, when I get the right one, to be so ingrained in my heart that when the next time another thought comes that is in contradiction to it, it's a lot easier to go, that's junk, flush. (laughs) Hello? This is what the renewed mind does, though. The the renewed mind gets a glimpse of the superior reality of heaven, and it says, no more will I allow any thoughts to come into competition with this anymore. Anymore. Hmm. Satan doesn't want you thinking like God, though. How is the mind renewed? I hit on it last week a little bit. This word called repentance. I love this word. The church has gotten so like weird with this word. They've attached it to salvation. Well, it is attached to salvation. But repentance isn't a moment. It's a movement. It's an ongoing way of life. I have to live in repentance all the time. What does repentance mean, church? Change your mind. Change the way you think. That's literally the words. Metanoia in Greek. Metanoia. Change your thoughts or change your thinking pattern. Again, I'll ask the question because I like doing this. How many were told repent means turn and go in the opposite direction? That's all I knew ever growing up. It does not mean that. It does not. That is the fruit of repentance. That is not repentance. Because if I literally change the way that I think, then I will turn and go in an opposite direction. Hello? But if I just turn and go in an opposite direction and I haven't truly repented or changed my mind, I'm back into that thing called behavior modification. Well, I'm supposed to do this because this is what church people do. They're supposed to walk the line, man. You do this. You raise your hands in church. You sing glory. Hallelujah. And the more that I do that, the more holy I am. I actually look like I belong in church if I do that. You know what that is? That's behavior modification and it stinks. I would much rather somebody come into this room and shout out, I don't believe in God. At least you're being honest. It's not no games being played right there. Come on, man, that's real. I would much rather be like that. I would much rather somebody be like that in church and be like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. And I'd much rather you tell me that. I'm okay with that. I don't need to defend God. Hello? I just need to release him. Repentance means change your mind, not just turn around. I will turn around when I change my mind. Repent in the English. Repent. Again, high place. That's what those words mean. Re means again, right? Pent in the English. That's where we get the word penthouse, like high corner building. Are you guys with me this morning? Yeah. It's, what is he saying? Go back to the high place. What? Isaiah 55, 9. For as the heavens are higher, are you getting this? 
as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my what? My thoughts than your thoughts. What are we doing? We're taking our thoughts back to the high place. What is the high place? Only what God says. Only what God says. Going back to high thoughts, going back to God thinking is when the mind is renewed. It will have an effect on your intellect and it will have an effect on your emotions and the way we think. It will. Did you know that the way you feel is directly a product of what you think? You do know that, right? I grew up in the church being told, oh man, feelings are nothing. Don't ever let your feelings lead you. Well, it's just right. Don't let your feelings lead you. But I was like told, like, feelings are bad. You can't trust them. God gave them to me. He has feelings. Holy Spirit has feelings. How do I know that? Because the word says, don't grieve Holy Spirit. Well, if I can grieve him, that means he has, whole, he has feelings, right? Feelings are there. I love Neil Anderson. He put it in a book like this. He said, feelings are like dashboard lights on the car. They are there to tell you something is going on in the car. Hello? Here's what religion does. Religion says, I'm going to take a piece of duct tape out and I'm going to put it over that light that just went off on my dashboard. I don't want to pay attention to that one. I don't like that. That oil light, ooh. I don't want to pay attention to that oil light. So what do we do? We keep driving. And next thing you know, our emotions are telling us, hey, 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 something's like, and all of a sudden, the breakdown. They're like the dashboard lights on your car. They're there to tell you what's going on, not to tell you how to live. It's just saying, hey, something's wrong here. The temperature light goes off in your car. Hey, something's going on with the coolant system. That's all it's doing. It's what these things were designed for. But listen, the renewed mind will give you different kinds of emotion. Case in point, and I'm still growing in this, but I'm going to tell you this, not because I'm great at it because I have found some traction in this and I'm getting better. When somebody comes to me and they just cut loose like I did something wrong and maybe I did do something wrong. Whether I did or didn't it doesn't matter but they just cut loose and the venom and everything just starts coming out. My mind is getting so renewed that immediately, seriously immediately I will go to a heart of compassion because I will recognize either I did something wrong and I hurt them and I feel and I don't want to hurt people. Or if I didn't do anything wrong and it's still coming out me, I can still go, you know what? I don't know that they know the whole story here, but it's okay. It's okay. I don't need to defend myself. I don't need to defend my. That's part. Is this helpful? Because this is what a renewed mind does. Renewed mind will look at it like God looks at it. Do you think God has people yell at him? Do you think he remains in a place of compassion and love? I yell at God. I let that one out of the bag. I think he's okay. He's a big boy. He can handle it. Hmm. Repentance, living in the kingdom. It's not, again, we've tied, we've tied that word to salvation so much. We think repentance, repent and be saved. Repent or you're going to hell. Well, yeah. It's not so much about me going to heaven. It's about me bringing heaven to earth. There's a difference because if repentance is just a moment for me to get to heaven and I don't have to live like in a lifestyle of repentance, then that's all I've got. And I don't give anybody around me the chance to know how good he is. But if I constantly live in that state of repentance, then I get to bring heaven to earth. It's not just about me going to heaven. All right, here's another one here. Jesus preached repentance all the time, right? Even when he came in contact with the Jews, he would say things to them like this whole system. He goes, even right now, the ax is being laid to the root of the trees. You know when he said that? What is he saying? He's saying this entire system that you've built religion on that started with the law of God, which is righteous and holy, it's good. Even that right now, I'm putting an ax to it and I'm severing it, saying no longer, no longer are you gonna relate to God in that way. He goes, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, change your mind. Stop looking at it like you're gonna get it like this. It comes in a completely different format. Matthew 16, this is a good passage. I'm gonna read most of it here, 14 through 25. While I get some water. Excuse 
Matthew 16, 14 through 25. Then Jesus came into the regions of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, I love this, I love this. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? I love that. Man, have you ever had God say that to you, something like that? What do you think about it? What do you think about it? I think that would be helpful if maybe we added this into our prayer life instead of just going to God all the time and saying, God, I want this, I want this, or tell me about this, or la da la da I want this, then. Let him speak to you. I have found that some of the most profound revelation I get comes when I hear Holy Spirit saying to me, what do you think about that? Because when I say it, then I let it get exposed for what it is and I can find out if it's truth or not. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say that you are Peter, And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples. Here's where the challenge comes. He began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside, began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. Now, I I love Peter. As a New Testament dude, I can totally connect with him. Right? Anybody else? Dude, one minute is bringing the heavy revy. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. He's bringing it. He's dropping the heavy revy right there. And he goes, yeah, blessed are you. Blessed are you, Simon. And then he's going, I got this thing. Walking around with the disciples, Jesus talking about going to the cross and dying. And he's like, I got this. I'm so good. Jesus, come here. Let me clue you in. You're talking about going to the cross, far be it from you, bro. Remember, I know things, right? Father, heaven, reveal, rock, church, whole nine yards. I got it. I'm that good. Why is this important? This story is amazing. Because in our understanding, even that has to resubmit back to who he is. I can't let my mind ever be in a position where it's like, well, that part of me doesn't need to be renewed anymore. I have some theology that's changed and I feel like I've gotten a better understanding of who God is, but how many in here would agree that my theology and your theology is not right? Right? We're all gonna get to heaven. We're all gonna get to heaven and we're gonna sit there and look at each other and going, oh my God, I can't believe how wrong we were. I thought it was like this. Wow. (laughs) Not even. You're going to see people in heaven and you're going to go, what? (laughs) What? I did all this and they, yeah. (laughs) Here's Peter. He's walking around. He's got this thing, right? He's getting Jesus saying, yeah, I'm going to die. This is what's going to happen. I have to do this thing. But again, you know, I'll rise again. Peter goes back into human level thinking. Instead of listening to what the father is saying, he drops right back into human human level thinking. He goes, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. Don't you love this? Have you ever had Holy Spirit do this to you? He turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) What? Listen, the unrenewed mind will channel hell. Can I just bring this to like a real point right here? The unrenewed mind will channel hell. You will bring all demonic kinds of things in when we're speaking out of an unrenewed mind. We speak out of pride. We speak out of offense. That's a prime indicator right there that you're going to be channeling hell. He says, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me for you are not what? Mindful. The renewed mind. 
You're not mindful. You're not thinking like God thinks. You're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. There's a couple of words in here I want to highlight. First one I just said, mindful. He says, you're not mindful. You're not thinking. Sofreno, you're thinking, your thought life. Set your mind on things above, Colossians 3, 1 says, right? Set your mind on things above. That word there, sofreno, thinking. Set your mind on things above. He says, the next one is follow me. That word follow literally means to side with. Now, I like that because if I just reduce it down to follow, then I will just be a simple, um, uh, what is it? Mimic of Christ. Hello? I don't want to just mimic him. I want to be on the same side with him. He told me, Jesus told me that I no longer call you slave, Andrew. I call you friend. Because a friend knows what the Father's doing, knows what I'm doing, right? I, I don't want to just follow him like this. It's not an imitation of Christ. It's a participation in Christ, right? Bracelets to say, what would Jesus do? Thanks for playing. That is really a bad thing. I don't like that. I never have liked that. What would Jesus do? How about we ask the question, what is Jesus doing? Because if it's just what would Jesus do, now I'm an imitation of Christ. When I ask what is Jesus doing, now I'm participation in Christ. Now I get to know what he's doing. So that word there, follow, side with. Well, I don't know what to side with until I know what you're thinking. What side am I on here? What am I doing? What am I about? What's the plan? What's going on? Then this last word here, it says, he who desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life, that word life there, it is not bios. It is not my physical life right here. It's the word suke. Anybody know what word we get from that? Psyche. Psychology. In other words, what is psyche? It's the way we think, right? It's the visceral part of us, the internal, like, I guess, you know, mind, will, emotions kind of thing that lives inside here. It's not just my heart beating. It's what wires me. It's what makes me think and do the things that I do. He says, anyone who wants to follow me must lose his psyche. Hello? Is this helpful? In other words, lose the way you're thinking. Stop thinking like that. Lose the way you're thinking. If anyone wants to, desires to save his life, he will lose the way he's thinking. But whoever loses the way he thinks may, for my sake, he will find it. Oh, God, help us. I want transformation. I want to see transformation. It is in our mission statement. It is in our core values. I want to see transformation. But church, I'm hoping this is helping this morning. You can't will yourself into transmit. What's that word I'm looking for? Transformation. Sorry. I wanted to say transmission, but that didn't sound right. You can't will yourself into it. It's impossible. It's about coming to a place of sitting with the Lord in discontentment with what you know of him and what you believe inside yourself that thing that works again, it's that place, sitting in a place of discontentment until you find answers from him that will not dissipate. That's the renewed mind. You sit with him in discontentment until you find answers that won't dissipate. Your mind now grasps it and it goes, okay, this is what I hold. This is what I know to be true. Why do you think Paul went around saying, I'm not doing anything. I don't know anything. All I know is Jesus Christ and him crucified. I think he got a hold of one thing. His mind was renewed in that direction right there. And he goes, this is really all I know right here. I know Jesus Christ. I know him crucified. This is it. This is it. Stand with me here. I want to pray for you. Amos, one of the minor prophets, has this conversation as prophets do with God 
He gets into chapter 3. In the beginning of chapter 3, he says this. Talking to Amos, he goes, Can two walk together unless they're agreed? It's kind of like this rhetorical question he puts out there to Amos. Can two walk together unless they're agreed? We know the answer. It's no, you can't. We can't reduce that down to me and Jay agreeing and walking together. We can't walk together unless we're agreed. That's not the point. Because if that were the point, if, if my wife and I couldn't walk together unless we're agreed, oh God, help me out. I would spend more time not walking with her. We see things totally different. He's saying, can you, the people of Israel, can you actually walk and do what with me unless we're agreed? He's bringing it up to another plane. He's not putting it down on a human plane. He's not talking about me and Cody agreeing on something or me and Jay. He's talking about me and God. Can two walk together unless they're agreed? How many want to walk with God? Listen, it's an ongoing repentance It's an ongoing repentance that we allow Holy Spirit to renew our mind, to make us think more like he thinks, to show us things. Revelation. Anytime you get revelation, I told you I was going to quit, but I'm not. Anytime you get revelation, you better explore it. You better explore it because revelation that is not explored in faith turns to religion. Every single time. You walk around with, you get a revelation and you don't explore it in faith, it becomes something that sticks in your head and now you just become a religious person walking around talking about something you think you know. Religion is having a belief in something that you see no actual practice in it. I believe God heals. Really? Where are you seeing it happen? It's just religion. God help us. Can I get an amen to that? God, help us. Holy Spirit, like we often do, we come back, we run into you. You show us things to come. Remind us of the things that you've spoken. The comforter, bring it back. Holy Spirit, I just, I'm praying over all of us, starting with myself right here, to submit myself to your thinking, to your thinking. Lord, I'm, I'm just saying offend my mind. Offend it. Offend my mind. When my mind gets offended, it makes, it jars me. It makes me think. What's going on? What do I need to see different here? Put your hand on your head. God, offend my mind. If you're brave, God, offend my mind. Now put your hand on your heart to reveal my heart. Yes, Holy Spirit. You're so kind and good. You're so kind and you're so good to us. Father, I'm praying for every heart, every soul in here that says I'm going to give up my psyche for you. I'll give up my psyche, my way of thinking for you. Lord, I pray I find it because that's your promise. That's your promise. I'll find it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, prayer teams, are going to have you lined up right here. You guys know who you are. If you guys need prayer for anything, even if you want somebody just to pray over you from today, you're wanting transformation and you just want somebody to agree with you, let somebody just put hands on you and come into agreement with you, okay? Lord bless you all. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life. 